Let me tell you something, that I wish I had had a community pray over me before I went off uh, to my first year of college, because it, it didn't go well. Um, but <laughs> it made me the man that I am, right? Um, so uh, so don't follow my path or your father's path, um, any of you. We are in the midst of our summer series, and, and if you have been here uh, any summer with us, you know that we kind of take a kind of theme and, and then we run with it through the summer. And, Two years ago, we did Heroes of the Bible. We did Villains last year, but this year, the ladies uh, are getting the focus. And so it's the ladies of the Bible, uh, 12 extraordinary women. Um, we're focusing on a different kind of person or group each week and, and really talking about what their life, what their story, what they did, what was said about them has, has to do with us today. Not only how it impacted the world and, and kind of shaped history, because as we've heard from the first two, they set the game going. Um, but, but what it says to us today. Uh, two weeks ago, we started with the very beginning, as well uh, we should, with Eve, uh, the mother of all living, right? And then uh, last week, we, we went to the next, um, understandably so, we went to Sarah, who was the birth of pretty much the religious movement, the birth of the, the, the covenant um, that would eventually lead to Jesus. And today, we get to, to a group that, uh, it's a group of women today, two women today, um, that we get to that um, you wouldn't necessarily stop on. Um, but in between Sarah and these people, because we're just kind of plowing through the Old Testament right now, um, in between Sarah's story, what we have is we have the birth of the nation of, of Israel. Jacob comes along and he has all these sons and, um, and Joseph being one of them. And then we have that great story of Joseph and his, um, his you know, the amazing Technicolor dream code, as most of us know that story by. Um, but Joseph, who has all these brothers, and remember he has this dream, he goes, goes to his brothers like, I don't know, I just had this dream that like you're all going to bow down and serve me. I don't know, whatever it is. And they're like, that's great. Let's sell him into slavery. So they sell him as a slave into Egypt. And if you remember the story, there's this great famine that comes a, a, across the, the whole region. And Joseph, through God's movement and through, through God humbling Joseph, has risen to the number two spot in Egypt. And, and he enables the people, his people to come over and, and to find food during this time, to find freedom, to find life. And so the people of Israel end up in Egypt, and they land there, and they stay there. And hundreds of years go by. And, and in that time of hundreds of years, the, the people of Israel are having babies, like lots of them. And they just become this great nation inside of Egypt. And then we get to the story of Exodus. So we turn the page from Genesis, and we launch on into Exodus. And it's been hundreds of years since all of this went down with Joseph, since Joseph saved Egypt. But nobody remembers. No one remembers. When history moves on, when you have hundreds of years in between, even a momentous event, and you come into this time, people just forget because you have life as it is now and you're worried about the things that are happening now. I mean, who knows how many of you can tell the history of San Antonio 400 years ago? You should say, we, we can't because we're only 300 years old. We just celebrated it last year. That was a history test, and you all failed. Thanks for paying attention to the tricentennial. Um, so we, we, we have this, you know, how many of us remember those things if we're not really just history kind of nerds? And, and so people just move throughout this, and they just move on. And this is where the story of Exodus takes place. Who, who begins the Exodus, by the way? Who, who's the, the, th the impetus for that? Anybody? No one? God. It's the Sunday school answer from the front row crew, of course. Jesus. It's always Jesus is the answer, right? 
I was expecting to hear Moses, right, right, the most important person. But no, you didn't walk with me on this. The 9.30 crowd was better. Um, Moses. Yeah, no, you would think it would be Moses, right? Because um, he's the one we always talk about with the Exodus. But it's not. It, it started earlier than, than Moses was even really alive. So in Exodus chapter 1, you have the, the, the story where we pick up. It's been hundreds of years since, since Jacob moved with his people to, to Israel or to Egypt and since Joseph did what he did. And eventually a new king, a new pharaoh came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Do you see right here? What's the pharaoh's name? They don't say. They don't say what the pharaoh's name is here. Why? Because we don't need to know the name of a tyrant. Because he's not important. But there are two people who are named that are important. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from our country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Right here we have this, the building of the story of Exodus. How many Seder folks in here, Seder meal people that come to our Seder meal? That's it? There's like over 100 of you every time. Okay, if you don't come to the Seder meal, you need to sign up and start coming because it is awesome. It is a lot of fun. But in the Seder meal, what we do is we tell this story. We tell the story of the Exodus and, and we tell this, the, the story of when the people of Israel were, were slaves in Egypt and, and how brutal the Egyptians were because they were afraid of the people of Israel. And the more that the Israelites multiplied, the more that the Egyptians hammered down on them. And the more that the Egyptians hammered down on them, the more they multiplied because God's hand was on them. But it finally came to a point where, as you know the story, Moses comes up and he's this leader and he says, let my people go. And every time after one of these plagues, if you remember the 10 plagues, Moses comes in and says, hey man, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, right? And Pharaoh says, no. But today we're gonna to talk about somebody that says no to Pharaoh. Because right here you have all of this intensity ratcheting up and you have the Pharaoh who is scared. He's scared of what's happening and he's like, man, they're gonna take over. There's so many of them, we can't control them any longer. And so we need to just really start doing some different tactics. And so he says this, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Here are the two people that are actually mentioned by name. Shifra, which means beautiful, and puah, which means a fragrance, a beautiful fragrance, right? That's what you thought when you think of puah. Um, it's beautiful fragrance. They, their noses were different. When you held the Hebrew, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch the two stones. So this is the, the translation. Um, and, and the two stones, some of you may have watch as they deliver, and some of you may have watched the two testicles. Um, that is a real translation. And what they're talking about here is the birthing mechanism. There were two stones that the women would put their feet on 
which when you say two testicles, and this is what's happening, it kind of makes me laugh, that they're like, you did this to me, you know, I'm going to do something to you, type mentality. Um, and this is how the birth process would go. They're standing crouched over these two stones, essentially. And the midwives would come in and assist with this. No male was allowed entered in. Can we say hallelujah, men? I'm just kidding. That's horrible. That's horrible. We should be there. Um, and, and so it's the, the women that are there. And it says, as you see this happen, if a baby boy is delivered, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. If a baby boy is delivered, immediately kill the baby boy. Why? Because the more men that there are, the more that they have to fight. And so Pharaoh is trying to a genocide to get rid of this nation. And he is trying to kill all the baby boys. But because the midwives feared God, and in feared God, we, a lot of times we see they cower away from God, but no, that means they have a deep love and honor and respect of God. They refused to obey the, the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live also. So these two women, these two midwives, these two, look, when you talk about the hierarchy of the powerful of powerful in Egypt, the midwives are not on the first 10, 11 pages. They are not powerful people. Important, yes. Powerful, no. They are not people you would come to to make some momentous change or, or to drive something. They're not people that you would go to to say, these are the people who are gonna follow in our faith. They're just the people who do a very necessary, raw, painful job. They're the midwives. And the midwives are given an order from Pharaoh, arguably the most powerful man in the world. When this happens, do this. And the midwives say no. So the king of Egypt calls for the midwives. Why have you not done this? Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives say. I love their response, by the way. They take a shot at the Egyptian women. They're more vigorous and have their babies so quickly, we can't get there in time. I mean, by the time we get there, the babies are born, we don't know. By the time we get there, they're so vigorous that they're weaned. That's how tough the Jewish people are compared to the Egyptians, right? They're standing in front of Pharaoh. Can you imagine the chutzpah, the, the strength of these two women to go in front of Pharaoh and go, hey man, your girls are just wimps. Ours are vigorous. They have the babies. They've grown, they're gone to college by the time we get there. And Pharaoh responds. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. Because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See, what Shifra and what Puah teach me is that in order to say yes to God, you have to say no to Pharaoh. Because in essence, that's what happened here, right? Pharaoh says to do this, and if they say yes to Pharaoh, then they're saying no to God. And so in order for us to say yes to God, to be the people God wants us to be, we have to say no to Pharaoh. We have to say no to the outlandish and outstanding things that he asks us to do. We have to say no to those incredibly big demands that he puts on us. But see, that's not how Pharaoh moves all the time. 
Pharaoh, in fact, rarely moves that way. Pharaoh, for the most part, moves in quiet, still, unobtrusive ways and says, hey, do this just one time. Hey, go to this website. Hey, have this one drink. It'll only be one. Hey, why don't you have that conversation a little bit, go a little bit longer, even though you know it should stop. It's just a conversation. Every time we say yes to that, we say no to God. Every time we say yes to Pharaoh, we say yes to the world, we say yes to the temptations of the world, we say no to God. Every time. And see, this is exactly what Shifra and what Puah understood. They knew that if they said yes to Pharaoh, they would have to say no to God. And they were people who feared God. They were people who loved God. They were people who wanted to be who God was creating them into. And so they said no to Pharaoh so that they could say yes to God. Man, we live in a day and age where Pharaoh's everywhere. And look, if you see what they did, they set out this whole motion because what does Pharaoh do? He says, throw the babies in the river. And then where does Moses go? Moses goes in the river and he floats down and he's taken up and it sets off this whole thing because these midwives trusted God and God blessed them at the end, right? He gave them a family. He took care of them because they trusted him, because they said yes to him and said no to the world. It sets off this whole chain reaction. But see, Pharaoh doesn't stop. Pharaoh, the world doesn't stop with its temptations, with its orders. The world doesn't stop with its come my way, because my way is usually easier in the short run. Remember when Jesus begins his ministry? When Jesus begins his ministry, he's baptized by John the Baptist, and then immediately he goes out into the wilderness. And Pharaoh shows up, Satan, and says, hey, why don't you just go this way a little bit? Why don't you do this? I know you have it in you. You have the power to do this, just do this. Pharaoh was saying, choose my way. But Jesus said no, so that he could say yes to God. Even in the garden, when Jesus, when all these people come to, to arrest Jesus, and Peter pulls his sword out and he cuts the ear of one of the temple guards off, and Peter's like, no, 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 you're not taking my Jesus. What does Jesus do? He steps in. He says, you're saying yes to Pharaoh. No, 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 no. We're going to say no to this so that we can say yes to God. Because there's something bigger in play. Rosa Parks was this amazing, I know you all are familiar with Rosa Parks. She's this amazing little woman who was so powerful in what she did. Many years ago, you know the story that she was getting on this bus and, and her seat because she was a, a black woman was to go to the back of the bus. But she decided one day to sit at the front and it ignited this whole big movement, freedom. Years later after this, a reporter was speaking with her and said, why, why did you choose that day? Like, what, what was different about that day? What was so special about that day? And Ms. Parr says, I was tired. All right? And the reporter goes, uh, wait, like, you were, you were tired? 
Like it was, like he was like, man, it's a hot day. I just got to sit down in the first seat that I come to. He goes, no, no, no. I wasn't that kind of tired because I was tired. I, I was tired of giving in to oppression, what she says is, I, I believed that every time I would give in and acquiesce to oppression that they would loosen their grip. But what I found was every time I gave in to oppression, every time I gave in to fear, every time I gave in to Pharaoh, she says, he strengthened his grip. And so I was tired of giving in. I was tired of choosing Pharaoh's way over the way of God. I was tired. See, God doesn't need a new strategy to save the world. God needs some people who are tired of saying yes to Pharaoh. See, God needs some people who are gonna step up and go no to Pharaoh and yes to God. God's looking for people to step into that gap. God is looking for us to step into a world and say no to the world and yes to God. I don't know about you, but I am pretty tired. I am tired of having couples come into my office and say we can't go on as a couple any longer. I am tired of that. That is the way of the world. I am tired of, of families coming in, of parents coming in and crying over the loss of their child because the addiction took them. I am tired of hunger. I am tired that we have to have a snack pack for kids program. I am tired that there is more slaves in the world today than at any other time in the history of the world. I am tired of the abuse of man against man. I'm tired of the oppression of the world. And I wanna say yes to the freedom of God. Are you tired? Sometimes I wish y'all were a minority church because y'all would have been up on your feet. Thank you. Because here's the thing, what the world wants, what Pharaoh wants is for us to be complacent and to sit and to say, well, that's not our problem. Someone else will take care of that. What, what Pharaoh wants is for us to be so blinded by our own yeses to him that we miss the big yeses to God. See, let me tell you, because it's not always the big things. It's not the huge things. Most of you don't deal with broken relationships and addictions and stuff the way that I do, but you have your own ways that Pharaoh is trying to get you to say yes. And let me tell you one of my small ones, one of my small ones that creates big problem in my family. Pharaoh puts my phone in front of me all the time. And some of you may roll your eyes and may laugh and whatever, but let me tell you what happens. Is I go home and I go home from a day where I'm pouring out and I'm taking care of you needy people all the time, I love you. And, and I go home and I just sit down and, and I get home to a needy family who's wanting my attention. And so what I do is I grab my phone and I start playing some stupid game. Or I start looking at some news reports or I start returning some texts or I get into emails or I even sometimes just look at the Weather Channel app. And Jenna will come in and she'll be like, do you just need some time to decompress? I'm like, yes, I do. But you know what's really happening is I'm being drained of more energy because that stuff isn't life-giving. That stuff is hiding and running away. I don't do social media, so I don't get lost in that thing. 
Some of you get lost in that and you start the comparison game and it takes you down to dark places and Pharaoh's going, walk my way, baby. Because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be distracted from the things that are really important in this world by the things that are not. Pharaoh doesn't come to every one of us and say, kill the first baby boy that you see. He says, just pick up your phone for 30 minutes. It'll be okay. Just not pay attention to those you love the most. They'll get over it. We instituted a no-screen Sunday policy starting today in our house. We started this yesterday. I said, you know what? There are no screens on Sunday. Corbin has already reported to me that his mother has been on the phone this morning. <laughs> she just hit him for being a stool pigeon. <laughs> but how quickly do minuscule little things like phones suck our attention away from what truly matters? How quickly do the whispers of Pharaoh, hey, I just want you to do this one little thing, end up causing us to live oppressed lives? Because when we're living our life for Pharaoh, we're missing what God has in store for us. When we are choosing the world's way over God's way, we miss the glorious life abundant that Christ promised us. And so today, I need some people who are, who are ready to say no to Pharaoh and yes to God. Can we be the kind of community that says, no, 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 that's not going to happen here. And look, it's gotta start at home first. Man, we have some big plans to take on some big issues in our community, but if we can't get our house in order, everything else will fall down. If we can't be people who speak into one another's lives, truth and love and grace and mercy, then when we go into the world, we'll be picked off one by one. We have got to have the strength of two forgotten women of scripture, Shifra and Puah. Puah. You knew that was coming at some point, right? Hoo-ah. Was that scent of a woman, right? Hoo-ah. It's your one movie reference for the day. Only one today. That's pretty good. Can we be the type of community that says no to Pharaoh and yes to God? Because until we are that community, until we are the community that turns away from the world and turns to God, and look, I get it. We're going to have those missteps. My wife is one of the holiest people I know, and she's already failed today on our no screen policy, right? But that's what the cross and forgiveness and grace is all about. We pick her back up and we're saying, nice try, honey, let's keep moving forward. Today is the day that we become a congregation who says no to Pharaoh. Let me hear you say no, Pharaoh. And yes to God. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your daughters, Shafra Puah. Thank you for the great faith that they had. A faith so strong that in the face of the most powerful man on the planet, they were willing to say no so that they could say yes to you. God, help us to have that kind of faith, to have that kind of strength, 
that when we're confronted with the whispers of Pharaoh, with the, with the shouts of the world to go this way or to be this person or to do this thing or to turn your head away from something that you shouldn't, let us have the strength to say no to that and to say yes to you. Yes to being your sons, yes to being your daughters, yes to being those holy living sacrifices going into the world proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ. Let us be the community that when we say yes to you, unleashes freedom for all who need to feel it. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us one time? And look, if one of these things, if you've been saying no to God for a while and yes to Pharaoh in one area, if there's something that sparked, if it's your phone, if it's, if it's something else, our prayer team's gonna be up here and they would love to pray with you to break that off. So come and receive that gift.